Welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Derek, today we're talking about exclusivity, something that a lot of people aspire to but don't always do for some reason. And we have lots of projects going on right now where this is top of mind. Are you talking about being an exclusive brand, like a, uh, like a fashion brand, a non-approachable, like I'm thinking of very exclusive, hard to be part of types of brands? No, I'm talking about being exclusive as in being for something that's small, narrowed, niched, as some people would say, but being exclusive in the way that you think about your brand to say we are for these people and these people only can have incredible impact in how you find success using your brand by choosing to be for a very specific customer base often implies that you are not for other people or that you're not for everybody correct and i think that that mindset has had such an impact on our clients to say we are not for everybody and here's the power that that has deserves a conversation um, this we've talked about positioning. We've talked about all those components, but we've never really dug into this thing that we talk with our clients about called the minimum viable audience. We've never dug into the power that you can have when you think about your brand as serving this group instead of serving anyone and everyone. It might be one of the hardest conversations that we have. We have a podcast about this already. We've talked about the fears of positioning, the fears of narrowing your focus. It's actually episode 35. I would highly suggest people go look at it because that digs into why is it so hard for people just to narrow their focus? But what I want to get into before, I'll, I'll do a high level on what that means. What I want to get into is what do we mean by narrowing and how are we narrowing? And that's really in these two ways. It's demographic and psychographic. We work with a lot of B2C brands. We also work with a fair amount of B2B brands, so they're a little bit nuanced. The demographic side of that is for B2C, I think of this as the age group of a consumer, the income level of a consumer, the ethnicity of a consumer, or maybe it's the gender sides of the consumers and looking at it like that. But if you think about B2B, that's where we start kind of dialing into business categories, business sizes. Uh, maybe it's business location, regions in which we focus. These kind of demographic segments can help us narrow ourselves into who we can be for versus who we're not for. And that's a big nuance there. So clarification for my mom, Kathy, who transcribes these <laughs> podcasts for us. She's, she would say to me, what do you mean by B2C and what do you mean by B2B? Maybe just for our sure. for the listeners in our as audience high level to, as not, possible. to not assume what, that, what those mean. Let's Absolutely. just do a quick definition. Keep me true. B2C, business to consumer, right? So think about this as the people who sell products or services directly to a consumer that is not its own bigger entity. Whereas B2B might be something that is business to business entity to entity we're selling things like professional services from like we're a b2b company right as a branding agency we sell business services to other businesses we don't do 
personal branding here. So that would be more B2C, right? Like our client, Sniper's Edge, sells hockey training products to hockey players. So yep. he's selling them on a website for sale via retail. B2C. So he is B2C. Yep. All right. Thank so you. that's where we're at. So the demographics, right? I walked through that a little bit. That's basically categorizing people within factual, I think of them as like hard areas that you can label someone on, right? They're this age. Data. They're where, this is where they are. Sure. Things like that. Psychographic is a little bit more emotional. It's more of the beliefs, the interests, the lifestyle that they're choosing. Think of this as maybe we're targeting people that have a health conscious lifestyle, or maybe we're targeting people who are really into spectator sports. And that's specific within the market that's out there. That's specifically narrowing us into this type of person. So if maybe there's a belief like we work with people who have continuous improvement mindsets versus those who don't. And does that have a, a way of cutting out a type of niche in a marketplace? Well, and this is going to start to get maybe too complicated, but a lot of the businesses that we work with that are successful in creating an exclusively defined customer base start to combine and overlap a couple of these. So Absolutely. they might say, we know that we work best with, con- with customers and organizations that have a continuous improvement mindset in the business category of financial services. Absolutely. We do this a lot. Like think of a private golf club. Financial services in the Midwest that are $50 million to $200 million companies. Well, and I'm so going into, start. if you go into like a golf club, like a private golf club, maybe instead of just being a private club that's for anyone and everyone who plays golf, maybe we're a private club for uh, retirees that play golf specifically that want to get better at golf so they have this continuous improvement and they love social settings at, after that golf so like we can start really narrowing our what we're offering versus we can just offer private golf course period so there's this narrowing of it and that's not a perfect example because there there's a lot of those just in general but you would want to look at all of these demographics and psychographics. And what you're saying is how do we combine those and piece those together to make something unique? So if we can pull specific demographics and we can pull specific psychographics of the people we're trying to reach, and that's a unique set. Now we have a target market for this brand that is unique to us and allows us to have this, what I would call it, unlock the power of decision. Now we know where we're going, what we're doing, who we're doing it for. And that's super powerful when it comes to developing things like visual and verbal assets for a brand. To do that, to get there though, there's a hurdle to cross. Absolutely. And this is what I was referring to in that podcast, episode 35. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but it's all about the fear of positioning. It's all about the why is positioning scary yeah so you're close there's the title and what we're talking about is change is hard for a lot of people and especially in the brand world you either at your organization either have someone in charge of the brand because they're a brand marketer or there's some kind of director levels vp or even cmo maybe owns the brand that person most likely has been there long enough that they have some kind of history with that brand it's hard to change for especially narrowing that brand's focus when you have done it for a really long time 
in a more generalist setting. So we get into things like we're afraid of alienating or losing current customers. We're afraid of the market uncertainty that's going to happen. We're afraid that competitive pressures of the people we're up against in the market, maybe they're going after these people. Maybe they're going after everyone. And we're fair. We're afraid that if we go after the smaller group, then they're just going to take all that business. We shouldn't be worried about those things. That episode walks through why we shouldn't be worried about that. A lot of business owners that we know started a business because of something that they were good at. And it wasn't necessarily because of a certain focused niche or industry or opportunity. A lot of business, I don't want to say accidentally, but maybe with less strategy than you would think, grow to a certain size. And they were able to get to that certain size and have that certain success without a lot of strategic focus on who they were for but for a company to grow and to get to that next level and to be able to compete with a slew of competition out there requires making some of these choices and i don't want to dive too much into this conversation because we've already had a 30-minute conversation about it well you're assuming people have listened to that and they should they should it was incredible (laughs) you were on your game that day oh yeah as every day is yeah when when we go through that, it's it's the freedom of being able to put yourself in a box and be creative within that box, right? So it sounds counterintuitive to narrow yourself so that you can open more doors, but it happens every single time. We've seen it hundred times with the businesses we've worked with and with the the consumers that actually see that brand and they resonate with it more. So why does all of this matter? Why do we need to pick and choose the psychographics, the demographics and, and kind of build this beautiful collage of who we serve in a narrowed setting? What, what is really to gain here? There's a bunch and I'm, I'm looking at a list that we put together and these are all great and we'll go through them, but it makes selling easier. Yeah, that's the overall takeaway. It right? makes having it. <laughs> there's an analogy, and I'll and I'll, I'll butcher it a little bit. But if I've got a leak in a toilet in my house and it's causing water damage, I'm not going to call a general contractor or a construction company. Might not even call a handyman. This is something that's really important to me and vital. I'm going to call a certified, licensed plumber who is an expert at plumbing. Yeah. Um, This works. There's analogies all over the board. That's a great like B2C analogy. Consumers are going to purchase from someone who has the lowest amount of risk because to them, they want it done. They want it done right. Right. From a service area, from a product area, they want the product that was built for them versus being built for anyone from a B2B area. So that business to business area, think about this in size of opportunities. If someone's going to pay out a lot of money to try to work with you on a project do they want someone who could help them but helps a lot of people that may be like them may not be like them or do they want to help they do they want to work with someone who's going to help them that has helped people just like them solve this exact same problem in the same way and understands the nuances of their challenges and what i would say and we've gotten into this conversation with clients is in a b2b setting you might be able to win business as a generalist and that's totally fair. But the big business, the meaningful business and the reoccurring business comes from being special specialized in what you do and how you do it. And that can really change the game for a lot of 
brands out there who are just trying to sell to anyone and everyone is being more specific. The, the accounting firm that we hire, that we employ, uh, shout out to Paul Miller at Business by Design. We hired Paul after a handful of prior accountants to help us with our tax returns, specifically because Paul and his team, Josh, are familiar with how the creative business industry works. So I'm sure they can sure. do tax returns and, and financial business and tax yeah. planning advice for anybody and everybody. And I'm sure they do. Absolutely. But it was because of their experience and specialty within the nuances that we run into that gave us the the confidence to not only hire him, but to now have worked with him for 10 years. Let me go through this list really quick because I spent time putting it together Let's and do I don't it. want you just to blow it out of the water. Um, so why does this matter to brands in general? So you said sales and that's absolutely relevant. I'm thinking about this from a branding lens. So think about this in the developing of logos and taglines and messaging and websites and all of these pieces that are brand oriented. Why does this matter? Well, one, it creates better relevance. When we talk at the many of our conversations say what we're trying to do as a brand is be relevant, authentic, and surprising. And relevance is super important to attracting the right people for your business. It's all really important to keep them understanding who you are and helping them bring also relevant consumers to your business too. So that having that relevance and that connection is going to be big time long term. The second one is brand loyalty. So how do we optimize brand loyalty? Well, we can create loyal customers by just doing good work, right? We can create loyal customers by having a great product, but we can also create loyal customers by having a belief system within our brand that they feel like, hey, you guys get it. You, you know what we're doing. You understand what's important to me. And I believe that you get me on a deeper level than just I need this um, service or product. So that loyalty is huge. Yeah. To be able to say, we get it. We know exactly what your problem is or opportunity. We know exactly what this is like because we've helped all kinds of other people and or organizations with this exact same problem is an incredibly powerful position to be able to have when talking to yeah. somebody differentiation is the next one. It just makes you different within the marketplace. If you're selling t-shirts, selling t-shirts to anyone and everyone kind of makes you just like anyone who sells clothing. But if you're selling a sustainable t-shirt that's for rock climbers that helps them identify themselves and pull that forward, now you are not just a t-shirt brand. Now you are a rock climbing brand that focuses on sustainability, right? So think about that differentiation, how you show up in a marketplace, even with the same product or service. Yeah, this gets into that psychographics piece, but now you're tapping into people's identity. Not, I like to climb once in a while, but I am a rock climber. Yeah, That's two different things. And if you are a brand who's selling to rock climbers, that is a whole different opportunity than just selling stuff to people who climb once in a while. When you can tap into that psychographic identity that of how people see themselves. I am a runner. I'm a writer. I'm a yep. climber, etc. That that differentiation is that's a game changer. And so now we're a brand for climbers, right? So that is different than saying we're a brand that sells t-shirts to anyone. So and hopefully everyone. these next four tell people these next three or four reasons also help people say, well, why? But think about all the people I'm not selling t-shirts yeah, now to. Yeah, yeah, how many yeah. how many rock climbers are actually out there? Well, and that's where you get into, you'd be surprised, by the way, how many rock climbers are out there. I was surprised. 
One is word of mouth advocacy, right? When you wear a, a brand on your shirt and that, that kind of goes to the next person we work with, well, you said it earlier, Sniper's Edge, which is a, a hockey training company. And that word of mouth and advocacy that they can create is because they don't just sell hockey training products to anyone and everyone. They sell hockey training products to the parents of children who want to get better at hockey so that they have a chance to, you know, grow within the game and help the family aspect of that all come together because they understand that the person who makes the decisions is this person and the person who actually helps that child get better is the parent enabling them to do that. And so that then goes, if we can build a brand for that parent and that parent has friends who are probably in the same thing because people tend to group together within their friends. They absolutely do. Right. And so to say, okay, how do we get them to be so excited about our brand that they want to tell their friend about it? It's a community. It might Excellent. be a family. It might be friends. But when you, you are now getting into a community of parents of hockey players yep, versus just talking to hockey, anybody, everybody, everywhere. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely. This allows you to be consistent and coherent to say, we know you, we, we build a brand around that. It also allows your team to be more consistent within how that brand gets activated across different places. You understand who you're for. You're not getting distracted by certain things that go, Ooh, this is a shiny object. Maybe we could go sell this product. And it goes, well, do, do our audience really need that or does that change anything for them? Can we build this perception that we have of being their, their identification piece? Does that, does that help us do that or not? It makes decisions a lot easier. Also factors big time into that other component of authenticity because yeah. people who are that those that many layers into that market, they talk a certain way, they have their own language, For they've sure. got certain slang. And if you know that and you're part of that market, not only are you talking to them authentically, it's going to be way easier to position yourself as an authority in that field or industry or niche. The other thing that I like to think of when we're going into being that small and tailored audience, that minimum viable audience, is your brand becomes adaptable and innovative within that market to say now we can look and be really specific about we offer this well maybe we offer t-shirts to rock climbers what else do they need from us to get that what is the best t-shirt for rock climbing and how does that come to to play within their life and their story that they're trying to tell and how can we be more specific about their needs and building a product that's not for anyone and everyone but something that's for them that allows you to be much more creative with how you come to market that makes you a really a leader in a marketplace rather than a follower in many marketplaces so we say that a lot. It's like you'd rather be leading in this market than just being a follower in a lot of different markets. We were in a client meeting where someone said we would rather be all in, bet all in on one or two hands at the poker table rather than trying to bet on every single hand at every single poker table because that becomes a gambling like that's a gambling addiction we don't want to be gambling addicts we want to be high rollers and how do we get there is by being really specific about who we go after and why 
And in that blackjack scenario, you've actually now stacked the deck when you're only playing two big hands because you're playing a single blackjack deck, not a blackjack deck where there's a table with eight or ten hands where you actually know Mm. now how many face cards are left and you can make some strategic planning towards winning that hand. It increases your odds. You better watch out, Derek. You're going to get blackjack calls. You're going to be thrown out of a casino if you keep counting cards like that well i can tell you it's if you if you're gonna go play blackjack pick a table with the least amount of decks of cards and your odds will go up sure um so if we and i kind of want to wrap this up i like this to be a quicker conversation but as we keep going forward being more specific and being more narrowed within your brand focus, it helps if if I'm going to say you as a decision maker, it's going to help you in a lot of different ways. It's going to give you more confidence. It's going to make you have more ef- effectiveness when it comes to building brand components. It's going to make your team more excited. That's what we've seen. It's something I don't think we predicted before we really do- dove into this a couple of years ago that teams become more excited to say, we know who we're going after. I have a challenge in front of me that I feel like we can hurdle versus we need to sell to anyone and everyone using generic pieces that I'm just kind of spinning my wheels here and I get frustrated. How do you give your team the firepower, the ammunition to really go after something and do their job really well? This is how you do it. Yep. And we're not, we'll have a separate conversation about when that narrowed focus happens, is that audience viable for your business? Is there enough actual revenue out there? Is there enough opportunity? Are there enough yeah. rock climbers to buy your t-shirts? I'm not talking about, that's another business strategic step. We're talking about having the courage to take the first step about choosing who you are for. And the more of those factors, the, the psychographic lifestyle interest beliefs, and demographics like age, income level, location, business category, size, location, the more of those factors you can use and leverage to help you narrow in, the more doors you're going to open when you walk into that, what you think might be a small room, um, you're going to find out that it's probably full of all kinds of doors that you had no idea about. And I think that what these conversations are supposed to do is try to simplify all of this i bit my by no means is this easy it's not something that you just walk in and you go we're gonna go after rock climbers go and then it's just like that's not true to your point you have to come back and say is that viable for us does that make sense for what we're trying to do and there's a lot of work that goes behind that but from a high level the the hardest part is just getting over your own fears of changing and being for someone versus being nothing for everyone. And if you would like to talk to somebody about that, because it is scary, give us a call. We'd be happy to um, have a conversation and see if we can either talk you off that ledge or maybe push you onto that ledge. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, until next time. Thanks. Have a good one. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com. Susner.